What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to All the Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and Our Heart Radio in partnership with Showtime. Welcome back to another edition of All the Smoke. Jack. We got a special guest here, man. Uh, former player turned owner. Like Bounce, a lot of people lady. talk about that, but how often does that really happen? Uh, Queen. Welcome to the show, Renee Montgomery. Well, thank y'all for having me, thank man. Came to show. the A. I yeah. like it. I mean, you had us both on your show, so it was only <laughs> right to, you know, come back around, especially with all the amazing news that's kind of surrounding you of late. Let's, I mean, get into the first and foremost. Congratulations on becoming oh, the first former player turned owner and executive. Thank you. Uh, tell us how this all, all, all that came about. You know, it started back in October. Um, I felt like I wanted to do something, something different. And there was a lot going on. We know the A had a lot going on. There was mm -hmm. Stacey Abrams shutting it down. The Hawks were very active with the more than a vote. So I just wanted to think, all right, how can we take this a step further? So then I thought, I, I started to see about Atlanta Dream maybe selling the team. So I'm like, hmm. You know, I started to just think about it, talk to some, some money people, and see if we could get some coins together. Uh, it didn't really work out in the beginning, but then I saw a LeBron tweet. And I'm like, maybe they can get me in touch with the right people. And he got me in touch with the commissioner of the WNBA, Kathy Engelbert. And then after that, it was off to the races. Mm -hmm. So leave it to LeBron, huh? Yeah, LeBron. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because, like, I had already – kind of tried to put in a proposal before, but we didn't have the funds there. We didn't have enough funds. And so um, it was more so of who's already in the bids and mm -hmm. how can we figure it out from there? And tell me what it feels like to, to, to think owner and executive when you literally just stepped away from the game. <laughs> it's crazy because my teammates is like, it, I think it's right. more weird for them because right. I was just playing with them last year. For me, I think it was the next step. Honestly, um, so, everything I was already doing was kind of moving towards the business side of things. I think athletes should be more on the business. I don't right, know why we're not more on right. the business side of things. We know the business better than anybody else knows mm -hmm. it. So I've been talking about that a lot and just having the voice of the athlete. I know y'all been on teams where you're like, that makes no sense. Why are we doing it like right. that? Like, we know things that make no sense. But if you have suits at the top that never played, they have no idea. So right. 
I just wanted to be that voice. I think that was the, the main thing. I think what's so amazing is obviously Kelly Loeffler was the previous owner and you know, all the attention surrounding this last voting uh, process back in November. Um, and, you know, she was running and, and, and really the turmoil started before that. You know, the team, you guys actually had kind of disagreed on some stances. Yeah. And one thing I say about the WNBA is you guys are so unified on all your messaging, which right. I even think you guys are ahead of the NBA on. Like you guys somehow send like a, a smoke signal. You guys are all <laughs> down for the shit, which I love. But talk to us a little bit about what it was like playing for her. And then once you kind of found out her true colors, when people kind of started shifting to the other side. Yeah, you know, the WNBA unified, you, you said it, uh, went into the wobble with the Social Justice Council. Right. So that's kind of how everything got on the same page. I wasn't even in the wobble, but they was hitting me up like, yo, this is what we're doing. This is how we move. And so right. I felt so connected. Um, and it was like, it's crazy being here in Atlanta and opting out because everything happened here. And right. it's not even just with with the previous ownership, but just the runoff. Like, who would have thought we would have had a runoff? That never happens, but it happened with us, you know, here in Atlanta. And it happened the year I opted out. And so the players, I mean, you're right, like, just stood 10 toes down. Right. Like, everybody just was kind of, like, posted up behind me, behind everything going on. So... Um, it's, it's wild to explain because as it kept happening, it kept getting more and more traction. And then I was like, yo, this is like, this is kind of wild. Like even as I was like in a part of it, I was like, this is kind of crazy what's mm -hmm. going on. Could you elaborate more on making a dream a destination team? Yeah, we got to do that. Like everybody loves coming to the A. Like that's when you come to Atlanta, when you play Atlanta, people circle that on their calendars. They're telling their friends, everybody that they're coming here, but don't nobody want to play here. Like <laughs> what, what's up with that? So I understand. I mean, even when I left Minnesota, we won a championship in 2017. And when I was leaving Minnesota, everybody's like, yo, you good? Like they was asking me why I'm going to Atlanta. And I'm like, I don't understand. I've lived in Atlanta for nine years. So I wanted to play for where I lived, but mm -hmm. I don't know. We have to make it. People want to win, and just Atlanta sports have not won. So entertaining, <laughs> yeah. Like people love the city, but you love the city, but you want to win too. So as athletes, we have to make that next step. Um, the dream we're a little bit different in the sense of we've been to the finals multiple times. We've won, but the program just isn't there. The organization isn't there. So. We're going to start treating the players like professional athletes. And I know on the men's side, that's normal for y'all. Right. But on the women's side, we don't necessarily get catered to like like it is on the men's side. So that's what I, I want to do with the Atlanta Dream. Just start making that 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 destination. They need to start getting the celebrities that support the guys need to support y'all the same way. Thank you. And I think I think that's a big step because... <laughs> yes. A lot of people come to the guys' games not even for the goddamn Hawks. Nah, to, it's a party. To, to see who at the game. <laughs> it's a but, the, but, but the women's team actually wins, so they need that yeah. same support. God damn it. Yeah, so I'm going to see y'all at a game. Yes. We, it might be yes. closed, you know, this season, but once everything opens up, yeah, we need all of that star power. And even with what happened with the NCAA, like, that, yeah, that's weak. That's, that's a weak. hot mess, Well, you know? let's talk about that. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you guys have continued to fight for equal footing, equality, and then a perfect example. In the NBA, NCAA is super slimy and slick anyway, and if, if, if it didn't get called out, it would have gone unnoticed. It would have continued to be that way, but someone happened to call out a rack of weights when the men have every amenity <laughs> you can imagine. Facility. But then they try to come out and say, instead of saying we're wrong, they make up some bullshit excuse that there wasn't plenty of room. And then someone shows there's plenty of room. Yeah. You know what I mean? So what are your, I guess you just add that to the checklist of yeah. you know, the, the fight for you guys. No, and that's the thing. Like if anybody's been around women's sports, it's not new. Like in 2009, right. we won a championship. We went undefeated. And I'm sure that on the men's side, whoever won that year probably had 
double the swag, but no like question. you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not surprised. So anybody that's around women's sports, around sports in general, we know how it goes. Right. You know, we still flying commercial. We know how it goes. I went from at UConn, we were flying private. To, <laughs> I go to, to the, go to the league and yeah. then take a step back. You see what I'm saying? So if anybody's paying attention, this is not a surprise, but it's not acceptable. Like we're not surprised, but we are disappointed that man, like that's that's an oversight. And so what they said was we really didn't plan on having any weight rooms until the Sweet 16, um, but why not? That That's the question, you know? Like, that, the excuse was that there wasn't any plan until the Sweet 16, but what about the 64? Did they not right. want to get in a workout in the 32? Shit. They were lying. Yeah, so for me, it's this is – I'm glad it got called out. If we're being honest, like, I was, I was so happy that you had imagery because people won't believe it until they see it. Like, some people have to see something to believe it. And so you saw the picture. You saw the picture. You saw the food. You saw the swag bags. You can't deny it. So now you got to do something about it. What I thought was dope, though, you start seeing other male athletes yes. post on it. And I reposted it, and a lot of people yeah. reposted it. You know what I mean? And that's the kind of attention because as male athletes, our voices travel. You know Big what I mean? Time. Especially Big the guys time. still currently in the league. So it's... We're all in this fight with y'all, man. We're going to keep pushing with you guys. I appreciate that. And speaking of, no, shouts to a lot of college players spoke out. Ray Allen, I saw Steph Curry, you, uh-huh. like you guys. But that matters. I right. think a lot of people don't know, but it's kind of the same what Stack was saying about going to the games. Sponsors care about Who's that. There? Like, it's like sponsors, they might be on for the wrong reasons. Like, you know, you saw all these sponsors post up like, hey, women's NCAA, do y'all need some weights? Like, you know, you saw them, but... I just want to know, were they hitting up the women's side before right. that happened? Right. You know, like who's buying in when it's not popular? Who's buying in before the noise happens? So if they keep that constant noise with allies like you guys, I mean, I think for whatever reason, the sponsors will like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take us back to your upbringing, childhood. When did you find basketball? Oh, man, I grew up dirt road. We didn't have them. When I started practicing, I didn't even have a hoop outside. I was just dribbling all over the place. And then I did it for so long that my dad made a hoop, um, very unconventional hoop, but it worked. Uh, for me, nobody from West Virginia had been high D1 on the women's side. We have Randy Moss, Jason Williams, and all of them holding it down on the other side. Um, but no one had been D1. No one for sure had been in the WNBA, so... For me, I was just dreaming. Like, and when I say that, I mean really. Like, I didn't have anyone to to kind of be like, oh, I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I just when people would tell me, well, you're kind of small, I'd be like, yeah, that's all right. You know, like I'll be okay. But it was just just the want to. You know, I think that's what drove me. Just being in West Virginia, and I'm like, how am I gonna get these coaches to come here and look at me? And so I started playing AAU. And just our team ended up being really good. We had Candace Parker was on our team. We started recruiting because we don't we don't necessarily have the talent pool like that. So we started recruiting from all over um, and we got on the map. And even when I became a McDonald's All-American, it was like when I was there, people were like, who is this West Virginia? You know, like it was like, who is this West Virginia girl? Um, but, you know, it just that country rose brought me here. And it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of what makes me, you know, I had to like dream it so when people are like oh this has never been done i'm used to dreaming about stuff that's never been done you got to say country times 10. you know i went to oak hill <laughs> oh my God. so it's country out there right? yeah. it's, you're gonna get dizzy to get yeah. to your destination because all the roads let just like know. that <laughs> let them know so for me to be living here in atlanta like this like people don't really know how wild that is for my yeah. family and like my hometown like that's it's crazy what's happening yeah
Uh, very decorated high school career, uh, three-time state champ. What stands out to most to you about your high school experience in basketball? That fourth year we didn't win. Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was my senior year. So imagine winning every single Three year. And then good. on my senior year, we lose in the championship. So that's what stands out to me. Um, and then it reversed at UConn. We lost my first three years, and then my senior year we yeah, went undefeated. So I think with Hoopers, you definitely remember the losses more so than you remember the wins. I can remember things about the wins, but definitely remember that that fourth year, my senior year, just not going out on top. But, you know, again, West Virginia, it's the competition was actually better than what people would think of, but it was like you still, even though I had won three out of the four years, I had to go to UConn, like, basically just fresh starting over. Didn't nobody care about that? Mm -hmm. Like, people that played in Cali, New York, I had lots of teammates from those areas. They didn't care. If, like, they were last place. They was like, we playing in New York. Like, you right. playing in West Virginia. Yeah. I ain't paying no mind. So just always just that proving yourself mentality. It's easy to remember the losses when you win the championship on every level, at least three <laughs> on every level. So I can see why you only remember. It gets a little so cloud. Yeah, 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 all the damn championship. I mean, I get it. No. Which one? I mean, I get it. Oh, that loss. I can remember that Oh, it's just, it's it right with me, but, but yeah. But you know, you do, I, I kind of feel like you do learn more from losses. Oh, Obviously, yeah. you yeah. work hard to get the wins, but at the end of the day, you're not going to critique a win, you know, for the most part. You're definitely going to critique and remember, like, damn, I can get better. So, I, I mean, That's how you grow from the loss, yeah, right? Yeah. What was your recruiting process like coming out of high school? Um, We started to get on the map, so I really could have chosen anywhere I wanted to go. Um, I chose UConn my junior year, so I didn't even wait. I was like, what, y'all want me? I want right, you too. Like, right. let's, let's do this. Right. Um, But it actually wasn't even, in the beginning, I was more so leaning towards Maryland because that's where my sister lives. So I'm like, all right, I can go to UMD. Um, They got a good program there. And then I just went to, I went to my visit to UConn. This is kind of crazy. I had all the other visits lined up. I even put Hawaii on there because I just wanted, you know, just I wanted to go. Free trip. We know. I wanted to sorry, so you already know. I went to UConn and signed with them right over. after Kiss. Yep. So all the other trips, those were terrible calls to make. Mm. Um, just letting everybody know. West Virginia threw a fit because I didn't take my trip to WVU. Um, I knew. Like when I went there, they didn't roll out the red carpet for me. You know, mm. everybody else was like, yeah, you're going to come here. You're going to start for years. I'm like, how many people are they telling this to, though? You know, like, I just, I like transparency. So Coach Ariema was like, look, we already got a point guard. We know you're good. I don't know if you're going to start. You know, like, he's, if y'all know Coach Ariema, he's the same way for recruiting. So I think the players that go there, I think it says a lot about the players because you got people. Got to earn it. Yeah, you got, got people it. promising you the world. So people that go to UConn. Coach Ryan just doesn't move right. like that. So that that says something about the players, I think. Yep. What was your college experience like? I mean, going to a legendary program, having a legendary coach, able to capture one title uh, your senior year, but I'm sure the experience is something you'll never forget. Something you'll never forget. I mean, well, I already went there knowing the point guards that were before me. So it's like, I think that's, that, that's so what who, pushed not me. Not to cut you off, who was there when you came in? So when I came in, it was Keisha Swanier. So she was um, she was one year ahead of me. So we didn't. It was it was almost wide open in a sense of that's kind of how I was making my yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, when I say before me, I meant like a Suber, right. Jennifer Rosati, just that group of caliber of point guards. So for me, for me, like I said, I welcome that type of challenge. Right. I'm like, dang, it's lit here. So you have to you have to do something big to make an impact at a school like that and. UConn, while everyone knows that we are good at partying, we play good. We play good basketball you guys too. Play but great I think, <laughs> but it, it's like no, and I say that because a lot of times it's like stores, Connecticut. People are like, "What do you do up there other than party?" But 
I mean, I think that the players, we have a sisterhood. You see us now, like, we're all still close. Like, it's not it's not like we're all still cool. Like, we're all still close. Um, we got a group chat. And I think that's just the ties that we built. Like, we built a real sisterhood there. And I think that's the culture that they make you have because practices is so hard. Everything is so hard that you got to band together. Like, we all got to be mad at coach together because it, we're right. not going to beat him otherwise. <laughs> like, they make you figure it out together. So that's the thing I think I learned best at UConn, just that – he coach would do so many different things. We have practice guys. There would be like eight practice guys against us or five, and we'd have to figure out a way to beat the trap, and we'd have to do different things. So he would always say, like, I don't really care what the circumstance is. Give me a solution. So I think that's kind of my mentality now moving forward on everything. Like, all right, whatever the circumstance is, there is a solution. Like, got to find it. Yeah, got to find Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, what was it like playing for him in particular and maybe some advice that stuck with you? early on that, that they got you through it? There's so much. Um, but I would say playing for him early on, people, you know, they always say coach has favorites and I people like to label me as one of those. <laughs> but <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was, I still think I got yelled at some. Um, playing for him is, is like no other because everyone else on the other side hates him. And then you see, like, he's so down for you and he makes people mad. Like, he'll say whatever you probably is think you're thinking as a player. He's going to say it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's going to say it and he's going to look at you in the face and be like, and like, you know, he's going to, he's about that life. And so playing for him, it makes you like proud. Like, you want to prove, like, if he says something to the media, I'd be in the huddle like, yeah, I'd be in the huddle like, listen, y'all, y'all already know coach said that. So, like, let's do our thing. Like, just the advice that he always just gave us was that no one cares. Like, I, like, people think that people care about your situation. No one cares. Like, they don't care if we're battling injuries. They don't care if we have no seniors. People never care. And so once you realize that in all aspects of life, like, your boss don't care what's going on at home. You know, like, no one cares. And so that's – I've always kept that mentality. Like, people don't care why you're late. You late. Like, people don't – you know what I mean? Like, you just – if you keep that mentality that no one cares – Figure it out and do it right. Um, that that's kind of what stuck with me. Well, less stress you'll have on yourself. Too. Yeah. What was your first impression of Maya Moore? I remember she. I remember playing pickup with her, and I'm like, Yo, she different. Like you know, you can just <laughs> when you different. just see people do stuff, just like she like did. what was that? Like you know what I mean? When and then she do something else, and you're like, oh, she's like she's legit. Um, and you just knew. I mean, and she's and there's a lot of players that come out and just real talk. There's a lot of players that get all kinds of hype, and then when you see them, you'd be like, they're okay. Yeah, you know, like, right. they might be the best in that class, but that might be a weak class, so, you know, they're all right. She had all the hype, so you come in looking at her in that lens, and... She had all the game. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as good as advertised, just some of the stuff she would do, like, I would really just be like, Mama, I know you lying, and I got to, I got to play with her in college and in the pros, and so... To see her in college, she already had that just raw, natural ability. She can do everything. But then to see her in the pros and, like, she had honed it on, like, she knew she was a killer and she was killing every night. Um, not that she wasn't in college, but you could just tell, uh, you know, she's, like, one of those generational players that you talk about. You're not going to see many more like her. Did you play with Simone, too? Oh, you know I did. Simone Augustus, yeah. Our Minnesota team. Y'all had a mob, bro. I met Sylvia Fowles was on that team yeah, as well. I had um a mob. Yeah, we were we were that's why people thought I was crazy was deep. I, in twenty seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> y'all was deep. Um your senior year, thirty nine and oh. Yeah. National champions. Yeah. Uh anything that stand, any doubt ever creep in, anyone ever come close to 
knocking that crown off during that run? I mean, think about this. Going to UConn and not winning a championship. Period. I mean, every time I tell somebody I go to UConn, they're like, how many you won? Like, that's the it's first question everybody asks. My junior year, I was sitting in the goose egg, so my senior year, I was, I would say, scared. <laughs> I was terrified to go down as the worst in history. They let us know we would be the worst, too. Damn. Like, the coaching staff would let us know, like, we always win here. You know, like, you guys got to do it. And so I remember the preseason. It started in preseason, like, where I was turned up. Like, I was, I was crazy. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I was on one because I just didn't want to be that one that, that left without it. And then you get halfway through the season. We haven't lost a game, and I'm like, all right, that's dope. But once you get towards the end of the season, you haven't won. You don't want to be that first loss in the tournament. You get bounced out. So I would say the whole season I was, we were tight. And what I mean by tight is like, you know, like we got to do everything right because we don't have any more chance. I didn't have any more chances. And so my teammates treated it like they didn't have any more. And that was the, the, the dopest thing to me. We had a Tina Charles on that team, Maya Moore. And I think they wanted it more than me sometimes in the way that they would be offended if people weren't doing things right, because they would be like, this is her last year. You know, like they would get on to people using that as um, the incentive. And so that was probably the coolest part about that year is how much everyone wanted it for me. You still were able to have fun, though, even though you I, were. OK, you know, it was my senior, come on. Then. It was my senior year. So <laughs> let's be clear. <laughs> Hoisting the trophy up. Yeah. Which one? Ooh, she flexed on you, you didn't even know it. See, you see that? You see that? The light flex. Uh, just, it's I would different. say the last one and yeah. being the first to be a Husky of Honor. Yeah. Um, you know, the UConn trophy, I'm, that was special for all the reasons that I just said. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, we did it. And we weren't even in the game at the end of the game because we was able to get up by enough. And I still was nervous. Like, I wanted the buzzer to go off. I wanted it to be done. Like, I don't want no problems. We know March Madness can get crazy. That one, I mean, that one's up there because in college, you only get four years. In high school, too, like you get a limited amount of years. And the pros, you remember the, the, the pros that didn't win championships. We can all name them like the greats that didn't win a championship. Like there's a whole category. Not us. Yeah. <laughs> you got a problems, but there's a whole category for that. So, you know, I had I was fortunate to be on some of those powerhouse teams. Um, 2015 was a, a crazy year because Prince was there and he invited us to party with him. Um, Oh, don't just go past that. Shit. <laughs> Did it happen? That Did really happened. Kick it with yeah, him? No, yeah. I'm saying y'all kicked it with him. Yeah, like How he threw a private concert for That's us. It, I was one of the like, and I have to always preface this. They went all night. It's really crazy because him and his band, they literally put close. on a concert all night. They made us leave our phones at the door. They allowed us, though, this is how much they think about this stuff. They allowed us to have media there to write articles about it so that we it wasn't just a memory that we could know, but no photos, no nothing. I was on stage with them. That's There's receipts for that. Like, I, I danced. Like, we didn't just play a game. Like, we was turned up. Um, yeah, like, and that, and it's crazy because, as we know, he passed away the very next year. So when we won in 2017, it was different. You know, like, they had they had a band that covered music, Prince's music, but it just... It, obviously not the same. Yeah, it just right. had this feeling, like, this, this. it was a happy moment, but it had this somber feeling, like, dang, in 2015, we was just with Prince, and, and you know, he's passed away now, so... I would say there's that different emotion. I also got uh, traded halfway through the season in 2015. So it was a crazy year for me. Backpedaling a little bit, winning a national championship at UConn, you got a chance to meet President Obama at the time. What was that experience like? It was motivation. You know, like uh, my senior year, we got to meet President Obama. He had just got into office. I remember when it found out that he became president, we were at Coach R. Emma's house, like celebrating, turned up that 
that uh, we had our first black president and then we were like, oh snap, we need to go in and win a championship and meet him. So um, <laughs> when we won in 2015, it was the second time he knew Maya because she had won every year since then basically. So him and Maya were like besties and it was pretty cool because him and coach as well. It's different when he knows sports, you know, like right. he, he was into it. He knew who we were. So that was a different type of feeling. We played pig with him, by the way. He's like, how much time I got? He's asking his people, like, how much time I got? They was like, you don't have time. What was he's the jumper like? like? The jumper, he's a lefty. You yeah. know, he's it, a lefty. It looked it look, it look all right. Yeah, it's, yeah all right. it's all right. Like, you know that he used to be able to play some pickup and stuff back in the day. He had some, mm -hmm. but he was, he didn't, we didn't even get to play a whole game. They were telling him, you don't have time. And he's like, all right, we'll play pig then. And they were like, time. you don't have time. And he made time That's and dope. we went out there. Um, there's actually some photos of me shooting with him, but... Yeah, we didn't get to finish the game. We got a little, little lefty jumper. That's cool. Yeah. So, uh, 2009, the number four overall pick, yeah. coming from West Virginia, <laughs> going to UConn. Now you're the fourth pick in the WNBA. Crazy because little old you, huh? Little old me. But what's really crazy is, oh, it was it was wild because everybody was saying I was going anywhere from one to ten. Because again, it was that whole I have to every stage of my life I've had to like prove myself again. So. When it became pros, I was too small. Like that was my my scouting report that like, yeah, she's good in college, it's a great system in UConn, but how can I, yeah, like, you know, so it went from anywhere I could be one to 10. So I was like thinking about sitting in that room, you know, like, you know, when everybody's numbers getting called and you're just sitting there. I got invited to the draft. Um, my parents were there, Coach Ariema was there. And I'm like, I had no idea what was gonna happen. Like, and that's a terrifying feeling. If anybody's ever like, that's a scary feeling where you don't know where you're going to go. You just want to hear your name. So one passed. That was Atlanta at one. Angel McCautry went there. Um, number two was Marissa Coleman. Um, and then number three, Christy Tolliver. And then it came me. And I was just like, I was relieved. I'm telling you, I was like, all right, let's get to work. Because, again, I saw I saw the press clippings. I knew that people didn't think I could be successful at that next level. So that's that's what I remember about the draft. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one -on -one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. 
Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 million black businesses initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 2010, you're traded to Connecticut. Yeah. What was that experience like, starting to learn the business? Yeah, yeah, and it actually was a little bit late. I remember when I got drafted, the the Connecticut coaching staff, they basically was like, we're coming. Like, you know, like they were like, we're coming for you. You belong in, in Connecticut. And then I was like, what? Yes, like, let's go. It didn't happen that year. So it basically took a season, but I was excited. I mean, I the four years at UConn, that's like my family there. How far, not to cut you off, how far from like campus did you guys play? Uh, like 40 minutes so not terrible but the the crazy part was there was already UConn players like on there so it was yeah and then Tina Charles we drafted Tina Charles that year so it felt like college no class and I was like okay yeah this is that's, this, that's fucking yeah, hard. you Say already know I didn't really do too much class but I feel you in college well we had to handle that type of business so it became like oh what basketball is just the business and then it was like the whole crew Kalina Green ended up coming up there so I literally had my squad in Connecticut. So, yeah, we were off to the races for that. What was your welcome to the WNBA moment? Um, I would say my welcome to the WNBA moment was losing a lot my rookie season. Mm. That was just something that I... Yeah, I used to. Ooh. We all experienced that. Yeah, you know, it's a shock when you got to lose and you want to be mad at it and you got a scouting report for the next team that could be the next day or the day after. I had to really get used to that. Like, I didn't take losses very well. Like, I just... Like, I, in college, we were taught that a loss is a big blow, you know? Like, we didn't have them very often. And then in the pros, we weren't very good. Like, I, we just weren't very good my, my rookie season. And so I just remember being like, wow. Because you have that mix. You have the mix of people like yourself. I know I'm going to be here. How can we get out of this? You got people that's hanging around. I don't know if they're going to be on the team yeah. next year. Then you got some motherfuckers that just don't care. <laughs> they just trying to losing. get a bucket. <laughs> Man, how long the season is, man? You know what I'm saying? So it's it's, it's, it's a tough yes. time, you know what I mean, trying to pull all that together. Exactly. And so I'm used to winning. So I like I understand more as you get in the pros. Like, I would be really upset after a loss. And they'd be like, chill. Like, you, like they would be it's like, long season, girl. Exactly. So that was my welcome to the WNBA moment where I was like, all right, I got to, like, I can, you can still take them hard, but I got to, like, handle losses better. That's where I really, like, was like, this is the pros. Mm -hmm. 2011, you have a career season, voted to the all-star yeah. team for the first time. What was that like? That was, we were rolling in Connecticut. And I mean, 
I think we had three players that were all-stars that year. Like we, I can remember being excited that I wasn't going by myself. Um, it was my first time, Tina Charles's first time. And so this is crazy because it ended up being my only time as an all-star. I flew my whole family out. I flew, I got everybody hotel rooms. And I remember saying like, this could be my only one. Well, you never know. Like the league is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. And everybody was like, I don't think you should be spending all this money. Like you'll be back. And it's crazy because that was my only all-star. Um, the very next season, my coach in the all-season came to me and they were like, we have no firepower coming off the bench. And I'm like, all right, cool. What's that got to do with me? You know what I mean? And then he was like, we need you to come off the bench. And I'm like, I was literally just an all-star. Remember last year? The first, like, and so I went from being an all-star starting all the games in 2012 to 2013 coming off the bench. Um, and so that was that was a, a, a shocker to me because I was still young then. Um, and so I ended up getting sixth woman of the year, kind of just kind of just owning it, but it's the pros. You know, it's like the business of basketball, you start to learn it quick. Talk to us what that experience is like. We talked to Lamar Odom about that yesterday when we interviewed him. Like he was a starter and yeah. then, you know, they wanted him to move to the bench. The same thing the first year he moved to the bench, he won sixth man of the year. Yeah. So what was that mentally like having a, it's, it's a whole other mindset coming off the bench? Completely different mindset. When I'm a, when I'm starting the game as a point guard, my first instinct is to, all right, can we set, who can I set up? Let's get her going. Let's get her going. All right, I might have a little shot here and there. But when you come off of the bench, they want that like instant offense, that instant impact. And so like I they first had to tell me, like, we need you to be more aggressive. Like in that in that second unit, you're probably our first or second option. And so I had to be more aggressive in the style that I like to, to play in a sense. Nobody's really going to be mad about having to shoot more. So basically he was like, look, the perk of coming off the bench is you're going to get more shots. So you had to just, I just kind of had to own it. You know, I talked to my parents because I'm like, this is kind of crazy. Like, I thought this is pretty wild that I was literally my first all-star. I was excited. And then, like, my whole trajectory changed. And it actually, it changed my whole career because then everybody started to know that I could do both. And so teams, <laughs> the same shit LL said. Did he really same teams, thing. So like, now they wanted you to be that sixth man. Every time. And I mean, like, big teams. Like, I ended up going to Minnesota where they didn't even lack nothing, but they wanted that extra off the bench. And so it started to be free agency. I like it, like, it made me be a commodity, honestly. And so I even told my coach, Coach Tebow, I was like, you know what? Like, at the time, I was not feeling it, but it makes your stock rise. Like, people saw me different. They saw me as a scorer. They saw me as that impact player off the bench. They saw me as a leader of the second unit, which people want. And so my young self was not feeling it. But as I got older and the contracts kept coming and I kept, and I kept getting guaranteed contracts, yeah, I was like, there might be something to this, this versatility. Mm -hmm. So 2015, you head back to Minnesota and you're able to get your first professional championship. Yeah, that was a trying year. When I got traded, I was actually not even practicing with the team. I was at home in bed. Um, there was a pig roast at our apartment complex, and like a dummy, I ate it. Um, and I got salmonella poisoning. I didn't even know it was salmonella at the time. What you ate? I pig ate roast. pig. I ate from, yeah, there was like an actual pig that they were, I know we're not supposed no to do pork, that. No pork, no pork. I know, no I know. Pork. And look, so now I can't even barely eat. Like, <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Um, I was sick. I just, had some, I just had some good bacon this morning. <laughs> I was sick as a dog. And so they come to my apartment complex and they're like, yo, coach wants to see you. And I'm like, no, no, no. They know I'm not practicing. Like, And they're like, no, coach wants to see you. So we all know what that means. I'm like, What's going on? We know on? that is principal's what's office. Going, yeah, what's going on? I'm sick. So I go, They long story short, they tell me I'm traded. The Minnesota coach, Coach Reeve, calls me. And I'm like, Coach, I'm really sick. Like, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm really sick. I hadn't got the test results back. 
She's like, yeah, I don't care. You got to play in two days. And I'm like, this is crazy. Uh, my family was there at the time visiting me, which ended up being the craziest blessing because I couldn't do anything. They packed up my whole apartment, put it in my car, shipped my car to me. Um, and then I was heading to Minnesota uh, and I was practicing and practice during the daytime. And at nighttime, I was like, tr like working out, trying to get my core together because anybody that knows anything about that, like I was wrecked. Like my whole stomach was just done. And so I didn't have any core strength. And I was working out crazy at night, tired in practice during the day because I'm working out at night. Um, and then our starting point guard, Lindsey Whalen, ends up getting hurt. And the team like needs me for a big role. So I would say that was one of my like most memorable championships because people didn't know everything I was doing on the back end to try to get myself back to where they thought I was, they were getting traded for a player. But I was like not the player that they were expecting at that time. And um, I can remember not remembering anything during that first game I played. I had an IV before the game and just dug it out. Mm, <laughs> tough. So 16, you guys go for back-to-back -back championships, lose. 17, you get your vindication. Yeah, and 16 was a tough one. We played L.A. all three years. Like, so it was like everyone knew it was going to happen. And then when they got they, – we lost on a buzzer beater – very controversial, but they won. Um, and so 2017. <laughs> <laughs> very controversial. They won. Um, and so 2017, yeah, it was about that get back. Like that was all we could think about, you know. And and if you've won a championship, like it, it's different if you've never won. But if you've won and then you lose it, there's a different type of want. Like you you want it because you know what it feels like. And so yeah, we wanted that back. And I knew it was my last year on my, my contract, so I also knew, like, man, this is going to be crazy if we can win a championship this year. It'll set things up. Boost your stock. Yeah, it'll set things up. And so for, for, for me, I was just excited. Like, I'm like, we can. We had the talent. Um, and so we ended up getting that championship. And like I said, it was, it was fun. It was fun. So 18, you decided to bring your talents to Atlanta. You signed a multi-year contract. Like you said, you wanted to come play where you lived at for a while. What was that experience like? That was dope. And and I kind of knew what I was getting myself into as far as Atlanta was concerned. We didn't have the fan base. It's not there. So I went from Minnesota. We're literally selling out Target Center where, where the Minnesota Lynx play. Yeah. The Timberwolves don't even sell out Target Center. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go yeah. watch that shit either. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So we're selling out. You know, like we're selling out the arenas. And so I'm used to when we run out, there's just white noise. Like just the crowd is going crazy. And so in Atlanta, we would run out to ourselves going crazy. <laughs> we would run out to us clapping for each other and having to get each other. That shit was like semi-pro with, uh, with Will Ferrell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had to be our own hype, man. And we, you know, as we started, it was crazy because everybody, remember I told you when I said I was signing here, everybody's like, you all right, sis? Like, what's good? And then we ended up being the number two team that year. And so everybody was like, oh, you all right, sis? Like, um, and we were rolling. So we went into the playoffs, the number two team. And as the season started, we saw more and more fans kind of join in. And in the playoffs, we actually had a little crowd there, a little thump to it. So, yeah. So we, um, Angel McCautry ended up getting hurt that year. I really think we had a, we, we were terrible the first half and we lost two games the whole second half. Like we were just rolling. Injuries got us. And um, that was about it. Yeah. You never really shied away from the big shot. You had a clutch in your DNA. Yeah. Is there one moment that stands out? Yeah, that that LA game. Um, we were playing against LA. We were both 12 and 0, 13 and 0 was like a record um, that no team had ever done. And of course, we were playing LA for that 13th win. That's just how things work out. And um, it was really crazy because I think my mom was getting cramps 
or, or was in foul trouble, fouled out. I don't remember, but she wasn't available. That would have typically been who shot our last shot. But so since she wasn't available, coach was like, all right, Renee, um, yeah, you're in. And I'm like, oh, Time snap. Go. Let's, let's get it. Like, you know, so then, you know, when they tell you you're in, you're like looking at the clipboard real hard, making sure you don't mess your stuff up. She drew up a play for me, which is really crazy. Our point guard, Lindsey Whalen, was in the game. Um, got an inbounds pass, drove the baseline, had a back screen coming for me. Uh, I can literally remember that there was, like, people on the sidelines. It was in L.A. They were, like, reaching out to me, trying to, like, distract me. Um, I remember that just because it was, like, all the hype involved was, like I told you, we play them every year in the in the finals. And so just to have that game winner against them. and it, 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 Was it baseline drive, baseline drift? Yeah. Back screen? Yeah. yeah. That's the play. That's the one. <laughs> Knock it That's down. The one. Yeah. For the game. For the That's game. The one. So I think if we got one of those same plays in our history, me and you. The same type of play. I made it. No, I passed. You passed it to me. Oh, did he? Yes. <laughs> you made oh no, you didn't go baseline. You went down the middle, remember? Uh Beedron set the screen for and me in the you. corner. Yes. Three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right, you're right. You're right. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> uh June 18th, 2020, you yeah. sent out a tweet. That what kind of shape your trajectory, the, the trajectory the world. of your, you know, your career, <laughs> and, and, and kind of find your your life after basketball path. Although at the time you may not have known, but you know, you decided to sit the season out to focus on social justice. Your former your former college teammate and, and and pro teammate did the same thing. What was behind that thinking? A lot. You know, I had seen what's going on Atlanta. I told you we were right in the thick of things. Uh, there were protests going on everywhere. It was on the news. So I would look out my window. Shaw Brooks, all that. Yeah, like I would look out my window. I could literally see the protests happening. And then I would look on the TV screen and be like, dang, like Atlanta is really like, so for me, I was like, yo, I need to be a part of this. Like, I, I feel it. Like, and I would talk to my, my parents and my mom was actually in Detroit during the Detroit riots. And so she was telling me like, baby, I think this one feels different. And I'm like, why? You know, and I'm asking her all kinds of questions. Like, why is this one different? And she's like, look at the crowd right. you know when we did our thing it was all minorities like all black people right now all we colors. see yeah and so she kept telling me like i think this one is different i'm like yo i need to be a part of this movement like let's how do we pour gasoline on it and so i was thinking and i'm like can i imagine myself in the bubble like that's kind of what i had to, to to think about because we knew that's where it was going and i just didn't see it like i like i really kept on and this wasn't like people think I woke up and sent the tweet like it didn't happen like that. Like I knew I was debating it for like two weeks. You know, I was trying to think about the pros, the cons. Am I going to quit my job? I don't even have a job. You know, like I'm thinking about all those different things. But every time something else would happen or someone else would would, would get murdered, I'm like, nah, this ain't it. Like to me, it was like this just ain't it. And so enough was enough. Yeah. Like I really just felt like like my heart wouldn't have been in it. And so. Everything I've told y'all, it's been about proving in myself and it's all about passion for me. And so my heart wasn't going to be in it that season. And I didn't want to do that to my teammates, my coaches. So I just made the decision like to follow where my heart was taking me. It's, it's, it's just something in you that that's different. You know what I mean? A lot of people to stand up for people that you don't even know or stand up for the rights of others and all that. It says a lot about you to put yourself on the line for other people that you don't even know. And a lot of people don't have the, the courage to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah. for you, the stage you were in, the person you are in the position you in, for you to stand like that, like I told you on your show, that meant the world to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of people don't, a lot of people have the platforms and have the position to say things for, for the betterment of, of all of us, but they don't do it. You know what I mean? And with, with everything you had to lose for you to do that, 
with so many of your sisters in the same position, it just meant the world to see for me. So I, I appreciated that. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, for me, what was interesting about that was I didn't know where it was going to take me. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people think I had a plan. Like I really you didn't. with your heart. Yeah. Like I really didn't have a plan. So that's why even sitting here and the ownership and like in June, I was like thinking, all right, do I, am I about to have to drive Uber? Like I didn't know. Like I really didn't know. Like because... I was already calling games. I was scheduled to call the Women's NCAA, the G League Championship, but everything got canceled. So it was like all my revenue, all my income was connected to sports and sports like just got canceled. So I was like weighing that heavy. I had my family. And so I'm like, this decision wasn't just about me. And so, you know, thank you for coming on the show because I felt connected to, to people like you all that are just you know that fabric like you can just you can just feel it when when somebody's doing something for the papers or somebody's really the doing right it reason. so right. i wanted to make sure people knew it wasn't this wasn't for this is not for clout this isn't even clout like i didn't know if i was gonna get canceled because if y'all can remember that Kyrie call i was on that Kyrie call and it leaked and people were really mad basically to hear that Kyrie was talking about opting out basically and so i already knew what people felt about players that opted out so i was even debating on that tweet should I tell people why I'm opting out? Like, I, I thought, because you could just say, hey, I'm opting out for personal reasons. Like, I debated that, but then I was like, nah, like. You ever told the reason? Yeah, like, I just wanted people to know. Did you I, ever think, go ahead. I was I was on the phone with him, uh, you know, like, every day for three weeks up until that. You know wow. what I mean? We, talk, we <laughs> talked a lot. And I knew where his head was, but a lot of people don't understand. How could you worry about playing the game when you're seeing your people dying? Exactly. When, you, when you're seeing people getting killed for no reason. You know, a game is not that it's, serious. It's bigger, it starts to be bigger than that where you think like basketball, like I don't even, like you almost feel like you don't even have time for that now because there's like, there's something real going on right now. Right. And Kyrie, you can see that he got it. Yeah. And that's kind of how I even gravitated towards it. Like, I'm like, he really gets it. And now people start to see because he's giving out scholarships. Yeah. He paid some of our salaries yeah. um, for the, the women that opted out in the WNBA. He paid or some George of George Floyd, baby mama house. Like people... Like, he's not just talking about it. And so that's why I'm talking about, like, some people, like, they just say it because it sounds nice. It's a sound bite. And there's some people that's really about that life. And he really is. Obviously not going into the wobble. Were you still proud of your sisters and what they were able to accomplish with their message? And, and that's the thing. A lot of people thought that, like, when I opted out, I wanted everybody to opt out with me. I'm like, no, no, no. This is what I'm doing. Right. Like, this was what, like, I do. I'm glad that there was a WNBA season because look what happened. Like, look what the WNBA used. A lot used. of attention. Yeah. Same thing we talked the about. The WNBA used this season to, these are things we are already passionate about, but we leaned into it. Like, if people don't know the WNBA in 2016 with Minnesota, we already wore shirts that said change starts with us because in Minnesota, Philando Castile had been murdered by the police at that time. So this wasn't new to, to any of us in the WNBA. It was kind of like in 2020, we were kind of like, oh, no, no, no. Like, enough is enough, to your point. And so... Like I said, we had a pipeline. I, I felt very connected to the players in the in the Wubble, and I think they felt connected to me. Um, even Birdie reached out to me one time. I was like, hey, you know, we're um, vetting uh, Senator Warnock. We have a council that's helping us. And I'm like, oh, let me, let me hear about this. And then I started to hear that Stacey Abrams, like some big names were on the council. So people think that the players just printed the shirts and put them on and was like, yeah, this is how we – no, like there was – real processes done they were vetting people they were thinking this out and so for me yeah we we were we were united and i i, I wanted people to just felt like i wasn't calling people like yo you opted out with me i think people wanted me like thought i was doing that not nah, like 
everybody that opted out, that's what they had in their heart. You guys, well, I mean, I said this when, when all of it happened uh, when I was doing ESPN, but you guys have been fighting for equal footing, particularly just as women in sports. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when other issues come along, when it stands for equality, it, it, it makes all the sense in the world why you guys exactly. are so unified when it comes to that, because this is not a new fight to you guys. Like it's you said, not. you've been fighting the good fight, which was, you know, police brutality. But you guys have been fighting since you started dribbling a basketball about right. equal footing and, and, and respect in this space. So that's why it wasn't surprising to me. And like I said, I think the NBA took notes from you guys because you guys were on your shit. <laughs> instantly together yeah. whether you're in the bubble or not yeah. you guys were together and i think that's you know that that showed and now some he and i went back and forth on like jack mentioned because he didn't think people should play i thought they should play yeah. and i thought they should play because our voices travel like you're going to hear lebron and you'll probably hear mm -hmm. cp but do you hear the guys that aren't those top tier yeah. superstars without the nba logo behind them with the nba logo behind them with the WNBA logo behind your female counterparts our voices travel around the world 100%. you know what i mean and that's what was my point from that and to that point like i, I see both sides because i see what stack is saying too like imagine if there's no WNBA and everybody has to answer to why i mean you know and then it happened you know and i thought I, I talked about it i said okay so the nba stopped because of covid the first time the second time the NBA and WNBA stopped was for racism like who would have ever like is that that's that's wild to think about when you think about People don't really realize how much of a business sports are. I think people have a hard time understanding, like, sports is strictly a business. I know you guys see it as a game, but for a big business, big corp to shut down because of racism, that's not like Serious. Like, that's not like And they really didn't want it, but the oh, players no. made it, you know what exactly. I mean? The players made that shit happen. Because, you, like you said, this is big business, big, big money. Business. Like, that's the last thing they want to see, but they got to respect it. Because, like I said, we have a voice TV now. TV contracts. You don't play that game. There's somebody that's supposed to be getting mm -hmm. paid for you playing. Like, there's so many things that... The NBA is a business and the WNBA is a business. So I think that they took that and they made these businesses have to focus on social justice. So that's my only reason for liking that they had to play, because when the players weren't going to play again, what did the NBA have to do? They were calling the owners. They said the owners got to get on board. They were making they forced the NBA's forced hand, hand and because they needed them to come back. So I really do see both sides in a sense of like. You have to change the it is a business, but the business we know needs to change. Like we all know that from the ownership group on like we, we don't I don't understand why there is not representation in ownership group. Even in the NFL, they have to make a rule, right. the Rooney rule to try to get people. The fact that they have to make that, that rule is already the tells you how crazy thing. this shit is. People, there's a rule for it. Why should there be a rule exactly. for you to give equal Incentives. opportunity to business school to work for them, but not work with them? Exactly. That's always been the situation. They hire people you who look like him. You can be out there and play, but you can't own. Nah, them days over. Well, to me, I, so. you know I mean? I think they, obviously, they hire people who look like them. That's why it's so important for her to be in an yes. ownership position now, because you hire people who look it's like you. It starts at the know. top, then it's management, it. and then it works its way down. It's so. not what you know, it's who, who you, you know. know. And so if who you know is who you know, you don't know us, well, like, then you're not going to hire. You're going right. to hire somebody you're comfortable right. with. And so you already know that's what we're doing here in Atlanta. Like, that's our focus, like, day one now the people we hire small business minority owned business like that's literally our whole focus now so, love it so you were a big part of more than a vote um all the way through the the runoff with uh you know senator warnock or uh what you spoke on how important was that to you big time um it's crazy because i know people had to be tired uh because we were banging the drum since i can remember um in june where i threw a juneteenth pop-up block party at centennial and I'm like, man, people are really turnt right now, but November is far away. Like, I just kept on remembering, like, dang, November is so far away. Like, people engaged. Yeah. Like, I, I, so 
I started to create a campaign called Remember the 3rd of November because like we're passionate right now, but I hope people understand like you got to take that passion to the polls. Like you got to fight people at their own ground. Like we can be mad and do stuff and protest, but you got to go to the polls. So I remember thinking like circle in the calendar, November 3rd. And then we had the runoff and I was like, oh my goodness, we got to go at it again. Like you got to rev the engines up. So that's kind of what I remember just being like, look, I know y'all probably tired of it. I know like no one wanted this, but oh, we got to just one engaged. more time because I don't think people even knew that you got to go back. You know, I think people were like, no, 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 I already voted for that. Like, so and just take my vote again. And then it's still coming 2022 yeah. and then 2024. And that's the engagement we don't really yes. understand. But what was it like? I mean, you guys had a big hand in, in, in flipping a state. That's wild. Insane. Um, yeah, it's wild. And even as it was happening, you know, like. I was doing stuff with Stacey Abrams at that time, Civics for Culture, and I'm like, this is really crazy. Like, I told you, and you you guys know, when you're in the thick of things, it's kind of hard to see it from, like, the bird's Outside, eye view. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was just in it. Like, they was hitting me up like, yo, we trying to do this. And I'm like, I'm down. Like, what's up? So it was kind of just, like, that type of situation. And then as we watched it on the news unfold, like, we're watching national news unfold, and it's looking like we might pull this off. And... I'm telling you, it's it's something that like probably after a while, like it'll sink in. But I don't even think we like we knew the magnitude of what we were doing. But when people started to tell us that Senator Warnock was like polling in the single digits before, you know, we started to campaign for him. That's pretty crazy to, to see what happened. So, yeah. Um, life off the court has been going amazing. You announced your retirement in February. Are, were you, are you at peace with that? Yeah. Um, when I announced my retirement, I knew that you couldn't be a player and owner. So people didn't know that at the time, but I had to get, you know, my affairs in order. So I was very comfortable with it in a sense of I don't feel like I left anything out there. You know, I, I felt like obviously I would have loved to play like one last season and have that, you know, that farewell season. But to me, like the way I played, the way I prepared, I really did feel like I gave like everything I had. And so I didn't feel like I left anything out there. And then I thought about the bigger picture. I'm like, for me to be an owner and to be able to be the voice of the players, like the players I know problems that we have right now here, I that just was driving me. I'm like, man, we got to make this happen. How can we make this happen? And I'm telling you, my family, they were, my family, my fiance just were backing me. They were my battery pack. It's important. Because sometimes I just, like, I got discouraged, like, real talk, because I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get to this, this seat at the table. It felt so far away, and I was trying to reach out to people, but I'm trying to do it on the low because I'm still playing. And I just didn't, like, sometimes I got discouraged, but my family was like, no, nah, you're going to be this owner. You know, like, they were really, like, sometimes they was on my head, like, no, 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 this is for you. Because sometimes... I'll just be like, all right, we'll find a different way. Like maybe I can be in the front office and I would change the the way. Um, but my family, like they knew it. Like they saw it for me before I did. And so that's what I think about the most with that because there were times, like I told you, I started in October. And people, people don't know the long process that that took. So there was times where I'm like, oh man, it's Christmas. Let's just like, <laughs> let me just enjoy Christmas instead of trying to plot and plan and figure right. out. But I'm so glad I did. You know, that was a long, a long journey, but it, like we're here, I'm so thankful. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one -on -one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. 
I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe can win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You just stated that we talked about you don't really what's going understand the magnitude of what you're doing while you're in the mix, but have you taken a step back and like said like, Renee from West Virginia is an <laughs> owner of a professional sports team? Have you, have, you, have you had a chance to kind of do that yet? Listen, I'm about to go back to West Virginia for my sister's wedding um, next week. I think that's when it'll really, you know, like when you get back to like humble beginnings, because right now I've been so busy ever since it, like ever since it happened, like I have been really move, busy. Right. Yeah. You take a vacation, that's when it's going to hit you. Yeah, I think so. So like once I can ever get some time, like, because right now I'm covering March Madness, you know, like it's like. I don't have to worry about a job anymore, and that's a blessing because at a certain point, I really was was worried. What's next? Yeah, I was really worried, and so now I think, like to Stack's point, once I get that time, that vacay is coming in June. Once I get that to just kind of just like be like, what just happened? Yeah, you know, your fiance gonna be laying around. <laughs> it, it just gonna hit you. Yeah. Like, damn. Probably some joint look smoke. Where I'm, yeah. <laughs> look where I'm at now. Look I can't wait. Now. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned you're covering March Madness. You did some broadcasting early in your career. Obviously, you're great. You know, relaying your your opinions and thoughts. When did broadcasting? jump into the picture for you. I went to school for it. So, oh, you know, I went to enough. UCall. Uh, I was a communications major. You know, sometimes you pick a major just because, like, let's just give me anything. Like, I had teammates that did that. Well, I'm the daughter of a college professor, so. No games. Nah, yeah. I was in the baccalaureate program in high school. Like, I had to be, like, all of those honors things. So I went into college, like, game. I was actually gunning for two majors, actually, and I finished. Uh, I had a, ended up with a minor, but. I knew it. Like I kind of am a planner. Like I, I plan. I plan <laughs> I'm a planner. my. Yeah, I plan my whole life out. Really. Like even when I was young, I told you I was in West Virginia dribbling on the pavement. We didn't have concrete, and I'm like, I'm gonna go D1. Even when I was young, um, there wasn't even a WNBA until I was 11. So I was just thinking D1, and I just been I've been planning ever since, honestly. But yeah, I, at, at UConn, that was that was the plan. So, just announced a new podcast. Yeah. Talk li- or take lines. Excuse me. Um, how did that come about? 
Yeah, they reached out to me. Um, I did a, it's crazy because I got multiple jobs from interviews like that I did with a platform. So I did an interview with TMZ Sports. Like they wanted to talk about me opting out. And then they offered me a job to co-host TMZ Sports. Um, then I did an interview with Pod Save America and it's on the crook crooked like network. And so then that's how they saw me on that. And they reached out to my manager and was like, hey, I think we, you know, we're want to do sports and culture where they meet, basically. And I'm like, I mean, that's, that's my whole me. life. That's yeah, my life. that's my whole life. Um, and they were just like breaking it down. Jason Concepcion is the host. They need they, they're looking for a co-host, um, did a couple you know, interviews. And then they called me like, OK, so we, we, we want to roll with you. What's next? And that was dope because like, as you all know, y'all both were on my podcast, Remotely Renee. And so I didn't know how that worked. I'm like, can I do two? Like, I, I don't really know how all that works. Um, so I let them know and they were cool with it. I, my podcast is a little different than that. So, I mean, it's been really cool because the topics that, you know, y'all both done TV, the topics that the TV tells you to stay away from, that's what we talk about. Goddamn right. <laughs> that's what we talk about. So, it's, that's it's dope for me. Your guys' first guest was Jeremy Lin. Obviously, we're in a weird place right now where Asian hate crimes are are, are popping up every day. Um, how was it talking to him? I mean, Jack and I both know him. Uh, great dude, very very well spoken, um, and really kind of a fixture for that community. So, how was it talking to him and kind of hearing his point of point of view? It was different because you know we're used to being oppressed. Right. You know what I mean? Everybody understands our history. They understand why we're mad. Some people do, some people don't, but people understand, they get it. But when it comes to Asian hate, I feel like they they have to almost explain to people why they're mad and then allow to be mad. And I think that's the struggle that, you know, a lot of the Asian community has. And even here in Atlanta, where we just had that shooting, like it's unbelievable because we can relate, you know, like as far as minorities are concerned, we know what it's like for somebody to not like you, but hate you. Like, that's a wild concept to not know somebody at all, but you hate them. And so I think that, you know, that's being experienced for different cultures right now. And, and it needs to be almost a point where minorities now they're starting to see we have the same problems. We, it's us. Yes, it's a we it's thing. Us. I think a lot of people thought that this was a black problem. No, nah, hell no. Nah. You know, like a lot of people really thought this is a black problem. This is a black community, black and brown community problem. We've had it the most, but it's all it's all minority exactly. problem. Exactly. And I think that's starting to be seen more. Mm -hmm. I think the the Asian community is starting to gravitate to allies and they know that we're an ally because we get it. And so we I think just it. talking to him and even him, I mean, as people know, like he was called, I, I believe, coronavirus on the court. I mean, that's athletes, you know, like so that's crazy because. I never had a teammate or someone like say something crazy to me on the court. I don't know how I would handle that. Like, I don't, I don't really know. Like I've never experienced that. So he even experienced that. And the way he handled it was great. Amazing. You know what I mean? Like I said, he wanted, he didn't want to get at them in trouble. He didn't yeah. want to call them out. He wanted to sit down and educate them. It's big, it's a big person. <laughs> Amazing. He's a, he's a good guy because I just don't know how I would handle that. If somebody says something wild to me like that on the court, um, and so I think they just understand that, you know, the, the communities are allies now. Like, let's be allies and educate. Like, right. When you said it's not just our problem, that was one thing he spoke about when he was doing the marches was he's like, Matt, I see every single color out there. Yeah. And struggling, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not just a, a black problem, a brown no. problem. It's a minority problem, the way the system is set up. And it's and a white problem. And there's a, I was about to say, it's a white problem It as is. Well. It's because there's a lot of people that didn't realize it was a problem. That's a problem. 
First and if you did, if you didn't know there was a problem, that's a problem because it's all around us. Spit in your face. It's all around us, and so that's even going back to the NCAA thing. People have to see it. Like they need to see it. So when they saw the video of George Floyd, I think that's the first time some people really got it. Like and they still wanted to. Some people still wanted to deny it, and he should have did this, and he was doing that, and drug. And I'm just like, no, nah, bro. On, you, did playing. you watch the nine minutes, or did you fast forward through it? I haven't, mm-hmm. but I right. think that was very eye-opening for people because they're like, wow, how could somebody do that? And, and for us, we're like, you know, we know that's happened plenty of times before, basically. And so, like I told you, in 2016, we were talking about this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So it's not even the first instance for them. And so when people start to realize that and then they start to go down that rabbit hole where they start to, that's that rabbit hole where they start to, mm-hmm. you start to educate people on stuff and they don't want to believe it, so they go to Google, and then they're like, oh, oh my shit. gosh, yeah. And then you start to see that eye-opening. That's what happened a lot in 2020, I think. And so, I mean, I don't mind if you don't, like, it's, it's one thing to not know, but if you know better, do better. Come on, man. Yeah. Who are your top five? Let's go to another conversation. Get me away from that, because, you know, I'm baby Malcolm X around yes. this month. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your top five players in the WNBA right now? Oh my gosh, y'all really? That's mm. tough. Um, and we're talking about in their prime, because sure, right now, just period. I mean, I'm gonna have to go shoot the UConn special. Uh, <laughs> can't go wrong. Huh? <laughs> y'all can get y'all whole team that played the WNBA and win some WNBA games. Yeah, bro, yeah, that would be lit. Um, I'm going with Diana Taurasi, um, Tina Charles. Sue Bird. Uh, I'm just saying, like, I, I got it roll with my dogs, but and, and that's a fact. Like, people argue it if you want. Um, who else? Uh, Brianna Stewart. Mm. That's cheap. I'm just saying, like, that's what I'm saying. I'm gonna give you the UConn special, and that's why I said, argue it if you want to. Um, are, you, are you five? No, nah, I'm not in the league. Oh, <laughs> she's an owner now, bro. She's an owner now. In case you forgot. Yeah, I forgot that. No, but I know the men always put themselves on the teams. I would, I wouldn't even do yeah, that. Yeah, because anyway. I'm gonna be nice. <laughs> Um, let's see, who we gonna go with? We got a point guard, a shooting guard, and Diana. Stewie, I'll put her at the four. TT, if she had to be there. Oh, let's go with Sylvia Faust. I was about to say that. Come on. You can't, you can't, you can't leave her out. I, she's, I mean, she's, she's, she's gonna go animal. down as the greatest. She's oh, gonna go down as the greatest. And, animal, and like yeah. I said, I was gonna do a UConn special, but that's my put. And so, and she's, I mean, if we're talking fives, that's mm. it. She a winner, too. That's it. Oh. She's a winner, bro. She's, a, she's, she's winner. like the most gentle, giant killer. <laughs> you will, If you talk to her, you don't know what she's about to do to you. But, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. She goes. Um, WNBA is about to celebrate 25 years. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the progression you like and, and what more you feel needs to happen. I like that. So let me just tell you a progression. 2016, we wore the shirts. Change starts with us. Um, we even put a police shirt on there. That's crazy because we wanted people to understand we got fined for that. And they told us, if you want to keep wearing that shirt, you're going to keep getting fined. So basically, the WNBA was not rolling in 2016. And again, this is the summer before Colin Kaepernick took a knee. So this was unheard of for people to do what we had done. Right. And the WNBA was just, I mean, to give them a, to a defense, this had never been seen before. For We just rocked up with shirts we made and wore it for warm-ups. And so... They weren't feeling it. They they were not with it. And they basically, and then other teams joined in and started to wear just black shirts. And it became like a little movement. And the WNBA was not with that movement. And so then when you fast forward to 2020, we dedicated our whole season to social justice. Breonna Taylor on the back of our jerseys. I'm, I'm saying we're moving in the right way. Uh, they're, st- they're now starting to listen in a sense of like, we're going to do this regardless. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of, and I think that's the thing about the women's players. 
we have this like it's going to happen. So what's your stance on it? That's going to be on you. But this is what we're going to do. And they just really like they kind of leaned into it. I mean, for them to put Brianna Taylor on the back of Ooh. all of our jerseys, that's pretty big. We did a say her name campaign every week where we, we talked about it. You know, they they the national anthem, you know, there was just different things that we were allowed to do. And I say allowed to do because they could have find us, but they leaned into it. So the year 25, it's looking good. Um, I think that they they get it. You know, the hashtag is counted, I think. Don't give me the lion. But they even, um, they have legends coming back. They're owed to the people before us. And I'm big about that. Like, I feel like I'm old school in a sense of, like, the OGs are the OGs. Like, let's, mm -hmm. like, always put them on a pedestal. So it looks like the WNBA is going to do that this year. It's good to know we had Cheryl Swoops on. And she said that was oh, the one thing that bothered gee. her so much. Happy was, birthday, Cheryl. Gosh, happy birthday. Oh, get on my nerves. Happy, happy birthday to the legend. Um, I love her. So yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like we should we should honor our Absolutely. OGs way more than I, I think what we've done. And Absolutely. so even in the new promo, the advertisement, Lisa Leslie was narrating it. Dope. So you know what I mean? They're on the right way. They're in the right direction. But yeah, she come on now. That's right. not even her, that's Coop, but hey. Give me your thoughts on the current Hawk squad and what they need to win a game or two. Uh, excuse me, we were on an eight-game road Man, win streak. Yeah. Let's be clear. Uh, we Coach were... Nate McMillan going to change the temperature a little bit. They, need they went, Nate. what, eight they straight? Yep. We won eight straight, and then last night we lost to the Clippers. We were actually up by, like, Winning. 20. Mm -hmm. We were up, like, yeah. 20 and ended up losing to the Clips. I think everybody knows we got that nucleus that we could make some noise, but we're not consistent. And so I think that's why you remember us losing. We just won eight, but everybody remembers us losing because we just haven't been consistent. But... It's been fun covering them. Uh, Trey Young, I think Special. that snub was the best thing that could have happened to us. You know, mm -hmm. like, he got snubbed this year. The only player in the top ten scoring that didn't make yeah. All-Star. I mean, it was just wild. The but... record had a lot to do with it. Huh? Was it was just the record. It, it I think so. But if the records matter, then we should check a lot of all. I mean, yeah. what is the criteria then? Well, the only reason the Knicks, <laughs> the only reason Randall made it, because they was tied for fourth at the, fourth at the time. Okay, like okay. The, from but fourth through eighth that's just ninth, they was year. all tied. That's this year. There's been a lot of play. Like, I never know what the criteria is for MVP, for right. All-Star. It it's just what they feel. Exactly. And there's a lot of people who never played basketball who have a say so. Hello, somebody. Don't let me start. Hello, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, since we're in the NBA season, uh, favorite player to watch? Oh, I'm just I don't gonna... play no more, but go ahead. Yeah, if you guys ain't playing, I ain't really watching, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but I would just go with Trey, just because I get to watch him night Every in, night, night out. Night. And he's, right. and I mean, he's flashy, so it's not even like I'm just picking him because he's the Hawks. Like, he does some go. wild stuff in the go. game. I've been in the last 20 years. He's by far the, besides Joe is cool, but he's the most exciting player to watch since I've been living in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's just like what Steph Curry brings to the game that made change the whole game. Like, they're shooting from the logo, and that's a good shot. Like, you know, like, it's like, you don't even be like, dang, that's a terrible shot. Like, when Trey shoots it, I'm like, oh, that's a, you know, that's all right. Yep. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> you have a uh, finals prediction? Finals prediction. Man, injuries, just though, going that's the injury. thing. Like Tough. It's tough because, I mean, we all would assume that the Lakers would find mm -hmm. a way to be in the finals mm -hmm. if they're healthy. Um, but now, you know, first AD and, and then LeBron, I don't know. I, I get nervous trusting teams that play well in the regular season mm. because we've seen a 76ers every year. We think that they're going to be <laughs> every year. They look, I mean, Joel Embiid, people are talking about nice. him for be MVP. Nice. I know, but if you're talking about MVP caliber person and if you have the team – why is the postseason always such a struggle? You yeah. know, like, so 
for me, I'm trying to think like who are some some dogs in the league. There's a lot of regular season yeah, stars. Yeah, that's what. There's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference. Um, that Portland team is always interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you got a player like Damian Lillard, who it don't matter who he's matched up against, like he gonna show up. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna be in the finals, but I think they're gonna be somebody to watch. It's the West is so tough, but I don't really have a prediction. It's too it's too so crazy right it, now. What does that say about Brooklyn? Their best players hurt, and people still got them going to the finals. That's how good they are. And you know what? I got to see it, too. Like I got to believe it, huh? You got to see it to believe it. I got to see it because we're talking about playoffs again. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen... (laughs) We're talking about playoffs with KD and Kyrie and James, though. Okay, yes, but we're talking about playoffs and we're talking about injuries as well. And so a couple of those players, like that's why I said injuries aside, if we're talking everybody has their dogs, I'm going to say Brooklyn and L.A. Mm -hmm. in the finals. If everybody's playing and everybody's healthy, I just don't know if that's going to be the case. Recently, Shaq had a comment that the hoop should be lowered. Oh, uh, Candace Lord, didn't take Shaq, too well to it. No, I was about to say Shaq. No. <laughs> Thoughts about it? Oh, I think that's so wild. Um, like, should y'all should y'all's hoops be raised? There's no. too many people dunking. I mean, I don't know. Like, is it like is it too easy? It don't There's matter too- to me right now. I'm slapping that. So <laughs> yeah, right. I'm bad at touching that too. But what I will say <laughs> mm-hmm. in y'all defense. I'll take some women on some of my NBA teams yeah. before some of the sorry motherfuckers we had on my team. <laughs> a lot of them men didn't belong in the NBA. They didn't care. Oh, my god! Man, no way. So I would have took a lot of y'all way before some no. of the teammates I had. I'm just saying, we don't need to change the game that Naismith created. That is so silly just because, and I mean, if you ask people why to change the game, it's literally one reason for dunking. You know, like, it's not because women don't shoot well enough from the three. Maybe the rims are, it's always just dunking. And so if that's like, and I know that's what the NBA prides themselves on. dunking now. I know, but people, this is casual fans talking. Yeah, this is, this is This is casual fans yeah. talking because they don't know that. I mean, Candace Parker was dunking at a certain point. You know what I mean? So people are only basing that on dunking. And so if you're doing that, then you're not really taking into account what the women's game is good at anyway. Right. You know, like we play actual fundamental basketball. I'm not saying the men don't, but we're not even allowed to travel. So think about that. We have to pivot. We have to take yeah. only two steps. That's different, right. you know? And so I, I think that... If you're saying the rim should be lowered, then you don't really appreciate what's already going on in the game. Right, right. Considering your journey um, to where you are now, where you sit, what is a piece of advice you would give to an aspiring young lady looking to be an athlete or more of a, even a business owner? You know, I think with women, it's different. Like, at UConn, a guy could be, like, the 11th man on the team. You couldn't tell him he wasn't going to the league. Like, you really could not right. tell. Like, guys have this, like inner boastfulness that they believe in themselves and so women will critique ourselves until maybe we shouldn't even go to the WNBA like that's how we 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 think about ourselves and women we tend to almost dim our light because we think about well what are people going to say and what are people going to think and so I think if nothing else in 2020 I think that young girls should see that like women like we got something to say Mm -hmm. like I, I think that even you don't see a lot of women as many as you should in high management positions. Shouts to our VP Kamala Harris now. The first time. Mm-hmm. Think about that though. She that's the, the first time mm-hmm. in history that a woman has held that high of a position. Why? Like I don't think it's for not being capable at this point, but I think it's the norm and how people treated women and how people, you know, having a woman boss. I've been in positions where I'm on a call, I'm on the call with my manager and people are talking to him like he's he's the talent or he's the one because he's a guy. So you got another guy talking and that's just how it happens. And so I think now, uh, I think young girls should realize like there's not a position that we can't hold. Absolutely. It, 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 even though if it hasn't happened yet, 
it doesn't mean it can't. And so I, I think that just that boldness, we need to have that same, we don't have to be arrogant, but we need to have that same inner thing that guys have where you, like I'm telling you, it could be a guy that hasn't played pickup in so long, but if somebody's like, check up, you be ah, what? Like, you know, like guys yeah. just have that. Yeah, it's a bad thing too. <laughs> it's a bad thing it's too. It's a bad thing That's too. why I said, that not too hurt. far. Yeah, that should get you hurt. See, one thing men need, to, men need to do that women do more than we do, Y'all more real with y'all self. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We'll wake yeah. up and feel like, I can go do it. Knowing damn well you can't do it. That's that false hope. Don't fall for it. Yeah. But that's that confidence, <laughs> yeah, too, that's though. That confidence you see, too. like, that's that confidence. So that's why I said a little in between, take a little bit from it. But women just are way too real almost. Too real in the sense that we might dim our own bright uh, light. And so I would just say, yeah, that's over with. Quick hitters. First okay. answer to come to mind. Oh, Lord. Spit it out. Toughest player you ever had to guard and why? Avery Lada. Um, she has a the quick tip. Yeah, I don't because I'm used to being the smaller player, so I don't like when people are under my dribble, and I don't like when people are quick as me and different things of that nature. So yeah, she's she's a tough guard. North Carolina. Yeah, shouts to Avery. Top. Oh, do we ask that question? No, you said okay. current. Top five WNBA players of all time. All time Ooh, list. Lord, why you do that to me? Um, let's go, Tina Thompson. Cynthia Cooper. The whole team. Cheryl Swoops. Yeah, I know, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> they all team. Run it. Um, Cheryl Swoops, Cynthia Cooper. The Houston Commons. Yeah, the, like if we're going to name teams. Um, the Houston Lakers. Don Staley. Oh, my favorite Come all on. Time. Come on now. This is hard because, I mean, we talking OGs. I told you I like to pay respect, and yeah. so there's so many. Um, let's see. I mean, we could put it. I mean, oh, let's go Maya Moore. She not playing? That's mm, Yeah. That's a tough five. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there's, I could think of an honorary five and right. a second, but yeah, I'll just roll with that. Let's go. Top three basketball movies in your opinion. Ooh. So I just was talking to Ray Allen. So we got to put, he yeah, got yeah. game on there. Um, You said, did you say basketball or sport? Basketball. Okay, basketball. cool. Then loving basketball, white man can't jump. Mm, that was that two out of my three. <laughs> Five dinner guests, dead or alive, who would you invite? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm gonna ask Jesus to sit at the table right quick. <laughs> ask you some questions. <laughs> Let's have a little chitty chat. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Oprah. Mm. I wanna see what she's talking about. Um, I'm gonna have Barack Obama there. Let's have a, no, actually, let's, let's substitute Barack for Kamala Harris. I wanna Ooh, see what she's okay. talking about. Get some women at the table. Um, is that, that's three. Oh, what is her name? Shirley, the lady that ran for president. Shirley. Uh, uh, Come on now. Come on, baby Malcolm X. What is her name? We didn't we didn't get behind her. Uh, huh? Chisholm. Chisholm. Shirley. Yes, yeah. Shirley Chisholm ran for BP. I want to talk to her because imagine her being that bold. She was already writing the president's speeches. And then she's like, you know what? I'm just running for myself. So I want to talk to her. Mm -hmm. Have a little chat. Um, who else? Let me see. Actually, actually, I'm gonna have Abraham Lincoln sit at the table because I want to see where he really stands on a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. We give him a lot of credit for stuff, so let's really see what you're talking about, Abe. Yeah, like I want really... to really tell you. <laughs> I <laughs> want to really hear it, like about. because what I does? feel like he was progressive for that time. But I want, you know, I want to have a chat and see. If you had yeah. could have one message on the billboard, might need a lie detector. <laughs> they gonna get the well, truth. Well, we got politicians at the table, so I already <laughs> know. Get the truth. And then you have wooden dentures too. Might <laughs> <laughs> like smell like a bone nut sack. Might look a little crazy. Yeah. Uh, one message on a billboard for the world to see. 
Moments equal momentum. Oh, say it again. Moments equal momentum. momentum. I think that everybody doesn't realize how big things can get, but I opted out. That was one moment. Mm. Through a cookout, that was another one, and things started to to just spiral after that. Um, retired, that was a moment. Added to the momentum. Became an owner of the FCF Beast, mm. of the football team. Then became one of the Atlanta Dreams. So, yeah, all those moments, that's how you create your own momentum. You create your own moments. Great. Dope. Great answer. If you have one person mm -hmm. that you would like to see on All the Smoke, who would it be? Ooh. But whoever you answer, whoever answers, you have to help, have to help us with that guest. That's very clever. Let me think about that. Y'all already had Simone Augustus on here? Nope. Nope. And that's the homie. Um, hold on. She, let me just think, make sure. Uh, because I think she's so different in a sense of she's a sneakerhead, but she likes, like, all of the stuff. She has a... Louisiana background, but let yep. me think. Um, I like it. And they got it. They can't be ignoring your calls no more neither, because you're an owner now. So <laughs> that's just going straight through yeah, one ring. Nah, yes, I'm, yes, Renee. It's not tampering, is it? No. <laughs> you know when I'm calling the NCAA, I get so many tweets like, "Was that comment you just made tampering?" I'm like, I have to talk about the players that are playing. Um, yeah, I'm roll with with. Uh, if it ain't if it ain't Serena Grace, who's an upcoming artist, I'm rolling with Simone Augustus. Simone Augustus, that's how I'll go with that any day. Well, Renee Montgomery, thank you for your time. Thank you, Queen. Gonna, Appreciate it. Get some, uh, can I get some food? Before yeah. I what you mean? What you want? <laughs> Whatever you need. Yes. On the house. On yes, the house. Yes. I like that. On house. Showtime. <laughs> Swiping. That's the house. Get that business card. Yeah. Swipe that oh, we swiping business. that thing. Like that company card. Like... Yeah, that company card's in Jack's pocket. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a wrap. All the smoke. Thank you to yes. our guest again, Renee Montgomery. Thank you, you can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube and the iHeart platform, Black Effects. See y'all next week. This is All the Smoke, a production of the Black Effect and iHeart Radio in partnership with Showtime. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.